0: The La Petrullia de Minas de California Weather headlines for today, guests
1: Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell.
0: Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business, to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. And today we're going to discuss how tech can modernize the customer experience and build and scale a high-performance marketing team. Joining us is Jen Jones, who is the Chief Marketing Officer at Commerce Tools, which is the world's leading digital commerce platform that allows you to create powerful, highly customized commerce experiences while building a profitable, sustainable brand. And so far this week, Jen and I have talked about modernizing the customer experience. And today we're going to wrap up our conversation by talking about building a world-class marketing team. Okay, here's my conversation with Jen Jones, the Chief Marketing Officer at Commerce Tools. Jen, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me back. Well, I got to say, cool conversation yesterday. And the piece that we sort of picked up and put down really quickly was, How do we develop world-class teams in order to support a modern customer experience, right? And Jen, I know this is something you're super passionate about. And it's frankly, at the end of the day, if you're not in that CMO's chair and you're not trying to build that world-class team, I got to ask, what are you doing, right? And I think so many of us aspire to this. So those of us that I think are good at it, Jen, at least those that are intentional about it, tend to have like a central governing philosophy. What's yours when you think about building world-class teams?
1: Well, I tend to be at these scale up moments in companies. That's sort of my sweet spot, I think, as a CMO. So my guiding philosophy is building for growth. You know, reorging changing organizational structure is so disruptive to a team. So I try and do it as little as possible. And I think part of that is having a long view of where you want to be. So it's one thing to build an org for where you are today. But I think I always have that sort of how would I say it, like a a draft org chart for next year and the year after and the year after and the spots where we can promote people or maybe bring in new leaders or split teams up. And and having that long view for me helps me guide people who are growing in their careers so that they can fill those spots on the org chart a year or two from now and not feel like they hit a dead end, right? And have that flexibility to learn new things, stretch their marketing muscles, learn, learn different aspects the team. So that's really my guiding philosophy is designing an org that is intended to grow.
0: So this is a multi-year perspective. What does the organization look like three to five years from now? And then what are the players you currently have in the organization and where can they develop and grow? So it's a very employee centric model, if you will. How am I finding talent? And then what are the spots they're going to grow into? Because end of the day, they have options and they can go elsewhere.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, retraining people, Bringing new people in is so again difficult. It's in any market. Obviously, we all talk about how the current market we're in for hiring is is hard. It's super competitive. But even when it's not as competitive from a hiring perspective, it's still difficult to find the right people, train them in their roles, get them up to speed, and really functional. So the more that we can get people in, help them grow, learn, and spend years at a company, and not just you know one or two years in churn. It just builds such a stronger team.
0: So, Jen, and it's, it's sort of the farm system, if you will, right? Are you bringing in people that maybe are a few years into their career, but you have pathways for growth? You create people that are trained under the gen way, if you will. They feel a loyalty. They grow. They get to the point where they're fitting other slots in the organization. There's two things I want to tease out for you here as well, Jen. The first is, you know, is there a place that you find is more difficult to recruit and scale. So is there a portion of the marketing where you're like, oh, this is always my trouble spot? That's one thing I want to understand. And the second thing I want to understand is where typically do you feel like marketing organizations create that impression of a world-class experience? And how do you lean in there? So it's a big question. So two pieces. First piece really is, you know, where do you find it to be difficult? And the second piece is, where do you have the most kind of impact? In other words, if you were to focus on one place and one place only, how how can you make it look like a world-class experience?
1: Yeah. So to answer the first part, there's kind of two pieces to it. One, I think it's really hard to find product marketers, great product marketers. I think it's and I, I come from a product marketing background. So I always consider myself, you know, part-time product marketer, much to the chagrin of my product marketing leaders, I'm sure. But it's it's a hard one. It's it's a tough skill set to find. You know, you get people who are sort of a little more on the sales marketing side or a little more on the technical side. And it's hard to find those great ones that can have one foot equally in both camp and do it well and manage the pressure and the speed and everything that happens in product marketing. So I think that's just a tough area. And that's where I, I have done a lot of that farm system of bringing people in bringing people from other areas of the org who aren't marketers by trade, but really they have a, a natural bent towards it and an interest. And they either came from sales or support BDRs, growing them up junior. And then when you you have to have those great senior leaders, though you can't just have a bunch of junior product marketers and hope they figure it out. You've got to have some really good kind of middle leaders and senior leaders to help show them away and build that team But that can be a really tough one. And that's why I've often brought, I think almost every team I've led, I've brought in people who have no experience, but talent and have just invested in how do you teach them to be great at that role. So I think that's a tough one. And then your second question was, what was it again? Second question
0: is, so first, let me reflect back what you just said, Jen, because I agree product marketing tends to be the most difficult area to recruit for. And that gives me a strong idea of exactly how you see the marketing organization as well, which is it feels like it's very product marketing centered. There are your eyes and ears, if you will. So my second question was a bit of a cheat question, which is if I can't go higher in this case, amazing product marketers, how do I at least pay attention to the part of the organization that's most likely to create that great modern customer experience?
1: Yeah, I think that comes to the demand gen team. I think if you have a great demand gen team and they are working as that well-oiled machine and they're thinking about the prospect journey from initial discovery, learning about you to a handoff to sales and beyond, You know, that that motion, when you get it right and it's deeply rooted in good quality metrics, you can fake it in a lot of other areas while you build it. But that demand gen piece, you can't fake it. You have to do it. It's the the proof is in the revenue at the end of the day. And you're either doing it well or you're not.
0: That's a good point. Um, I want to spend time back in product marketing, though, Jen, because I feel like you wouldn't have brought it up if you didn't feel like it was core and central to those world class teams. And quite often you feel this, and you talked about this, you feel this kind of pull of product marketing. Is it a product centric organization? In other words, is it an extension of the products or organization's ability to get a product to market and promote that product? Is it an organization's focus on sales and sales enablement, right? Is it kind of directed at that bottom of funnel and ensuring that at the end of the day, the sales organization is most effective? Or is it the organization that's the eyes and ears for DG so you can create that world class customer and prospect experience? So where does that organization tend to fall for you? Ideally, is it one that has to transition or do you feel like if I could just put it right in the middle of those three competing areas, it works perfectly.
1: Yeah. It's gotta be right in the middle of all three. And I think maybe that's why it's so, it's so hard. You know, I, I told my, my head of product marketing the other day, the thing is, I, I always have the highest standards for product marketing, right? I accept nothing less than great. And I said that to him because I know that that. He he's great and and can live up to those standards, right? I wasn't wasn't being mean, but you have to be in the middle of all those three things. It's the it's the lifeblood of the organization when you do it right. And when product marketing is not working, and you come into an organization, and I've done this a number of times, and you start to ask people around, ask product, ask, ask the execs, ask the BDRs, the marketers, the salespeople, and just ask them like, what's working, what's not. They never point at pr- product marketing like they don't quite understand, but they'll start to say things like well, you know, the messaging, I I say this and it doesn't resonate or we're getting to the wrong buyers or, you know, it it takes me a long time to explain what we do and all these things that just start to pinpoint around, you know, we need some help in product marketing. So it's one of those things where when it's not working, the whole organization feels it, but they don't quite know how to fix it unless, you know, like it rings true as product marketing, but when it works right, it's so... It's just so integrated in everything that the organization does. And it's also invisible. It's such a thankless job (laughs) because it's not, it's not a super visible function either when it's working well, it just sort of bleeds into everything. So, you know, I think it is that it's, it's that synthesis. It's taking the outside market. It's understanding competitors, what analysts are saying, what the market's doing, what buyers care about, you know, customers aren't, technologists usually at the end of the day. So they can't just tell you what they need. You have to listen to their problems and then apply what you know about technology and bring that back in. And all that outside information has to come back into product management, to the executive team, to marketing and, We've got to bring that in in a way that's distilled and easy to understand. But then product marketing has to go the other way, too, of taking all of our complex internal stuff and forgetting about how we're organized. But what do we want to tell the market? And then how do we map that to the problems that our buyers have and tell them what we want to say, but in a way that makes sense to what they want to hear? So I think great product marketers just have to sit in the middle of all of that.
0: It sounds like that perspective is driven by lots of experience. In other words, a lot of the diagnostics you've done coming in, taking over as a CMO, quite often lead you back to, in other words, challenges with growth, challenges with you know understanding or awareness in the marketplace. It feels like all roads lead back to product marketing for you in many ways.
1: It does. I mean, I love the areas too. I don't want you know brands or demand or any or BDRs to think that I don't. I don't love those areas too. But I think if you don't have good product marketing, all of those other areas suffer.
0: And are there differences. You're a scale marketing leader. You're a growth marketing leader. You talked about typically being at an inflection point of growth earlier on. Are there parts of the organization that tend to do less well in those scale moments that you tend to focus on as well, Chen?
1: It's common for companies at that stage to forget about brand for a while. And that's why I end up focusing quite a bit on it. Brand work is slow right it's it's the slowest part it's the slowest ship to turn even if you're at a small company because it's really about the the market that you're influencing it's not doesn't matter how nimble you want to be as a company you've got to shift the market and their perceptions and i think it's a mistake for for smaller companies or scale up growth companies to leave brand as a problem for tomorrow because then it's often too late so i think that's that's one area that often gets skipped but really shouldn't be
0: It's understandable, right, as you're kind of transitioning, Jen, from a organization that's worried about product market fit, and then they're worried about enough pipeline, and then they're worried about the sales organization scaling, and then they're worried about the next product that's being introduced. You get into this cadence, right, where the brand itself tends to get left behind. Have you had the situations, though, where the brand was so far behind that your focus was really on just catching up the brand? Have you been in that spot before where the brand was actually dragging the growth picture back, if you will?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say, well, I wouldn't say dragging it back, but, you know, I'd say that's one of the problems I came to help with at Commerce Tools. I think given where we are in our product and the level of customers that we have, the depth of penetration we have in the market, it's a relatively unknown brand, particularly in the U.S. So that's just a problem I'm excited to go fix.
0: And where do you start when it comes to scaling that brand? It sounds like, I'm going to guess here, Jan, a bit, but you're starting with that world-class customer experience to understand how to scale the brand. Is that the normal starting point for you?
1: For me, it's about defining to start with. And I find that, you know, I I say this all the time internally. Brand isn't just marketing job. Everybody is a brand representative, right? I see you nodding because I get it. I'm talking to another marketer. So of course you understand that. But when you're outside the marketing department, that's often like a little bit of a light bulb moment for people, when you tell an engineer that they're a brand representative, everything that they do, every interaction you have, whether it's in person or not, but even if somebody Googles us and and comes to our website, that's a brand experience. If you're a recruiter and you're doing a cold screen of a candidate, that's a brand experience. If you're standing at a trade show, it's a brand experience. I go on and on and on. Somebody calls into customer support. So, you know, I think I always start with having a definition, like what do we want that brand to be? It's not, it's not just the colors. People often think of the visual identity of a brand, which is very important. You want to have consistency and guidelines and meaning behind it, but brand is so much bigger than that. So starting with a definition of, you know, what do we want our brand to stand for? Who are we? How do we want the market to perceive us? How do we want every individual to perceive us? And then how do you put some meaning behind that? And then making sure the whole organization's behind that vision and helping them understand that. And then of course the marketers can take that and put that into their work. Like marketers know how to do that if you give them good brand definitions and start to get them thinking about it early. And that's where I think it's a big opportunity for kind of earlier stage or growth stage companies to do that brand definition work early and just make it part of your DNA. And then when you're ready to just have a big splashy brand, it's already there. It's a part of your company culture. It's part of your customer culture and the hard work's almost done and waiting for you. So start with a product marketing organization with an understanding, really,
0: that's the glue that drives all good things in terms of your ability to scale. But don't leave brand behind. Start with brand in mind as you're beginning that journey, especially if your brand awareness is low. But to your point, brand is as much about reputation driven by the technology or the customer support or how sales engages with the marketplace. So make sure that people understand that they're pushing the brand more than the marketers can. What about balancing butts in seats? So these are full-time regular employees versus agency and contractors. You tend to be more in that butts and seat place, or you tend to be more in the hybrid mode, or you've got 26 agencies stumbling around within your typical organization. Where do you land, Jen?
1: I think at that growth stage, you have to have that mix. You know, freelancers, contractors, agencies can really help you when you're not ready for that full time employee. But then you've got to just not. Forget about it. That's where you end up with tons of agencies stumbling around. Nobody's managing them. All of a sudden, you look at your budget, and there's a ton of money going out the door in agency fees or contractors you forgot you hired. So I think it's important to have them and have good a good process for how do we how do we know when to bring on a contractor or an agency or a third party, and then what's our evaluation point? Make sure you've got checkpoints, whether it's quarterly, six months, whatever makes sense for your org, where you're doing those checkpoints to say does it make sense to renew. Should this be an in-house moment? You know, I think there's some things you really can't outsource. You have to have them in-house, but there's plenty of functions where relying on contractors and agencies makes sense.
0: I want to wrap this up here because we've learned a lot, but I, I think you mentioned something that a lot of us talk about in the CMO community, which is that in-house moment. What's that typical moment for you? Is that a cost factor? Is that an effectiveness factor? When are you thinking I should take the agency, move them out and bring a full-time resource in?
1: Yeah, I think it's it's either one or both of two things. It's either cost, you know, when you're spending more for a third party than you could you could just have someone full-time in house. Like you always want to keep an eye on that cost, but also the strategic nature of it. I think you want to keep your most strategic pieces in house. I don't know if it's a terrible analogy, but I always say it's like my kids love their nanny. She's been with us forever. It's not the same as, you know, me me going to their school play. You can't outsource some things, right? And it's the same with, you know, digital marketing agencies. They can be great, but if you don't have someone watching it and somebody in-house who's responsible for making sure that it is that agency's top priority every day, it's not going to be as great. You can't just pay your bill and forget about it. You have to still monitor the situation. So I think a little bit of of both cost balancing and then the strategic nature of what's important to you as a business. That's great
0: advice from Jen Jones. Jen, thanks for
1: joining us on the podcast. Thanks for having me.
0: All right, that wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Jen Jones, Chief Marketing Officer at Commerce Tools for joining us. If you'd like to contact Jen or learn more about her, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. Or you can contact her on Twitter, where her handle is Jen, E-R-A-L-E Jones, or visit her company website at commercetools.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to revgenpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions which we'll answer live in the show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is MarketAdvocate. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed on the next business day, okay? That's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself.